Hey, this is Jen, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adults Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org forward slash young adults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We will be reading uh, the ESV version tonight. We will be in John chapter 8. Um, I'm going to invite you all to stand as we revere God's word together. I'll give you a moment to find it. I would encourage you to read along. It is a long passage. We're reading uh, quite a long passage together. Um, So it will be helpful uh, both for the message and both for this moment. All right, let's begin in verse 31. John 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and what you do, what you have heard from your father. And they answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, oh, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we have not been born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He, has a murderer from the, he was a murderer from the beginning and does, not, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which, which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you, have, that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered him this, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced and he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. 
So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. That is the word of the Lord. Uh, we're gonna pray together. Uh, we'll pray for Cass, who's about to speak, but I also would ask that you would pray for your neighbor, that they would hear the word of God today, and that they would hear the spirit, and that the work of God will work through our hearts for us to be transformed. Amen? Let's pray. God, we lift up your name, for it is the name above all names. Lord Jesus, we come under your banner. We come, we come under your uh, kingdom and we come under your rulership for you are the good sovereign king of the universe. And so where else should we be? As Peter once said, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? But Lord, sometimes we do not believe that to be true. We think your word is like anything else. In fact, we don't sometimes, res- we resist your word because your word is too heavy for us, but it's not. Is that we're afraid of our sin. So Lord, if there's any sin in us, that we come into this place, I beg you, Lord, to wipe that from our hearts and from our minds, that we would not be uh, held down by the weight of our sin, but that we would be reminded that we've been set free because you are here. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. The people here tonight are free. If they call upon your name and they know that you are Lord, they are set free. So Lord, work in our hearts. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word, to see your spirit move. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would penetrate our hearts that would make it soft and acceptable, that we would accept your word tonight for it is good for our souls to hear your word today. God, we pray for Cass that you would speak through her, that your message would, would, would also pierce her own heart as she speaks it and that Lord, that it would be your message through her, Lord. And so Lord, we also pray for one another that, uh, we, that whatever we've come in here with, whatever heaviness, uh, whatever sin, whatever brokenness, that we can lay it at your feet right now and know that you have taken care of it and that we can sit at your table and feast on the good things that you have for us. Lord, I pray that any scheme of the enemy that seeks to, devo- to devise, to devour, and to destroy this community, I pray that you would put a stop to it right now, Lord. Your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, Caesar. Hey. Uh, it's good to be with you all. It's good to be up here. Um, because, mainly because I, I've heard a word from God, and I, God has this word for you. So that's super exciting. But also, the hour before speaking is the worst hour. So I'm excited to finally be up here. It feels so good. Out there, it, it's, it's scary, so it's fine. Um, my name is Cass. I coach volleyball, and I play volleyball, and I go to coffee shops. That is my life. And um, I was at a coffee shop last week. I don't know if you've heard of Deeply. Not, not sponsored. Maybe someday. Uh, so I love, I love Deeply. I love Deeply. So I was, uh, when you go into Deeply, um, there are seats on the right-hand side that are my favorite seats. Uh, there are three small two-seater tables that are right next to each other. And I love them because they're sit- seated next to a big window and I'm cold all the time. And so anywhere else in Deeply, I will turn to ice in about 10 minutes. But by these windows, I thrive like a plant. And so um, anyway, I walk into Deeply last week 
and there was nobody there except for at these three tables. There was a person on the one side and the other side, but the table in the middle was open. And due to the times that we now live in, I feel like it's rude for me out of all of the space to sit right in between them, but it's freezing, and so I do it anyway. And so I slide in, I slide in, there's a girl on my right who's on her laptop and she has uh, her headphones in. And then there's a guy on my left who's just drinking coffee. And as I slide in, I look over and he's looking at me. And he goes, hey. And I was like, hey. And I was like, okay. So then I take out my stuff and I put out my Bible because I'm preparing for this message. And I put out my notes and whatever. And this woman starts walking by the windows behind us. And she's like, she has a Bible in her hands and she's like screaming. She's like, preaching, and it's like loud and angry, right? And so I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, okay. And the guy next to me, he starts chuckling, and so I look at him, and we make eye contact, and he goes, man, you know, I just don't know. It's hard to tell. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, we were like, we're like, it's like we've been talking for an hour. Like, I was like, what, <laughs> what, are, you, what are you talking about? And he goes, you know, she's preaching one thing. My pastor is preaching another. Every church, every person seems to have a different truth. And the Bible says man is deceiving and all I hear are men talking. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's happening. We're talking, we're talking about religion. This is, this is real. Um, and what's funny is I used to think that my spiritual gift was evangelism in college, but really I was a terrible listener and really good at memorizing things. And so people, um, people would start talking to me and I'd be like, yeah, well, this is the gospel. And then I'd be like, yes, I did it. I did it so well. And so now I'm like kind of panicking because I'm like, I know my spiritual gift is not evangelism. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay. And it's funny because I, when I was praying to begin with, I was just talking to God and I'm like, I just want to be prepared all the time and I'm over-preparing and I'm not depending on you. And then he's like, all right, well, here's a situation that you're under-prepared for. And I was like, oh, good. But then he just kept going. Like I did not respond at all. And he just, he, he's, we talked for over two hours, okay? He says, I grew up Catholic, and my mom was a saint, and I believe in God, but the Bible seems like it's just a cool story. Is there something wrong with my mic? No? Okay. The Bible seems like just a cool story. Like, we aren't born with a manual on how to be human, in my opinion. We just need to respect each other and be kind and do the best that we can. And so I'm like, okay. Uh, so this was his premise. There's no way to know what truth is. And so the goal in life is to be a good person. A good person being defined as someone who respects others' beliefs and is kind and does the best that you can. And that's all you can ask for. And sometimes I look around and I see a bunch of people being good people and they seem content and happy with their lives for the most part. And it can make you wonder sometimes. Like, is God's way really best? Are Jesus' words really worth abiding in? When we see people living their best lives outside the wisdom and morality outlined in the Bible. But Jesus is telling us, if you abide in my word, you will be my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In other words, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life is the only avenue to which you can live your best life. And it's only through the grace and mercy of Jesus that we can grow in kindness that we can grow in true goodness and faithfulness and self-control, Galatians 5. So we, can't, we cannot get here on our own. We cannot cultivate our best life on our own. And Jesus came to do something about it. So check this out. Verse 34, Jesus starts off. 
and says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The world says this. You want the truth? However you define it. You want freedom? You do you. Freedom comes from money, from free time, and from knowledge. You do what you want, when you want, how you want, that's freedom. But here's the reality. We don't know what we want. We don't know everything. We want things at the wrong times. The most basic necessities for living, eating and breathing, I've gotten it wrong. Let me explain. Let me explain. So, uh, my whole life, I've been an overeater. It didn't matter if I was hungry or not hungry. It didn't matter if I felt good or not felt good. If you put food in front of me, I was going to eat it. And I don't know why. Like, I'm like, I just, you know, glutton for, like, greedy for, like, the flavor or, like, the comfort of feeling full or your family puts something in front of you and you're like, I'm not really hungry. And they're like, eat it. And you're like, oh, okay. You know, like, but then also I would go through these cycles of not eating at all. In college, I um, was going through a hard time and I went to food to make me feel better and I didn't feel better and that made me mad. So I stopped eating for three weeks, which doesn't make any sense. Um, last year, I told you guys for the first time I was on stage and God was like, you're gonna tell these people this. And I was like, I've never told anyone that. And he was like, I know. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I went through something hard last year and a panic attack and I couldn't eat for a week because my body like shut down. I wasn't hungry, felt awful. Like I was falling down a roller coaster. And I lost a bunch of weight. And so when I started to go out in public again, people were like, oh my gosh, you look so good. You're doing such a great job. And then I was like, oh, okay, thanks. Um, but then it was, like a, like a two-month process of like me going to the fridge and this little voice inside my head going, if you start eating, you're gonna gain the weight back and they're not gonna think you're pretty anymore. And I'm like, oh, close the fridge and walk away, right? And I would tell myself, I would be like, God's not gonna let me have an eating disorder because, you know, I love him and he cares about me. That's not gonna happen to me. That's bad theology, don't think that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, it, it only really broke. The power over this really broke when I shared it with you guys in front of community. There's power in sharing in community. I really highly recommend it. But here's the thing, I'm, it's eating and I do it wrong all the time. <laughs> And breathing, oh my gosh, I was in therapy. I love therapy, see him tomorrow. Um, I was in therapy and I was doing a breathing exercise and he goes, how was that? And I was like, awful, Joe. It was awful because my chest hurt the whole time. And he was like, well, are you breathing with your stomach? And I'm like, my stomach doesn't anatomically take air in it, so I don't understand what you're, selling, what you're saying to me right now, you know? And he goes, no, your lungs expand mostly down and back. And I said, no. They expand in your chest. And he goes, no, they expand down and back. And I was like, well, it hurts to extend my stomach because ever since I was in seventh grade, a girl told me that I looked pregnant and I was, I've been sucking up in my gut as hard as I can since then. And I have no room to expand my lungs. And I'm 27 years old and I'm learning for the first time that I don't have anxiety. I'm forcing air into my chest where it doesn't belong. Because I get it wrong. Because I'm living with the priorities that I think are most important. 
I'm making decisions to what I think is best, and the problem is, is that what I think is best is for me to be skinny and for you to think I'm hot. <laughs> and maybe for you, it's money or it's reputation or it's being right or it's knowing things or it's winning, but it hurts you and it hurts me and it hurts others. The world says, do whatever you have to do to be happy, and it's wrong. But Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Sin is poison, pollution, and ultimately leads to death. So when you choose yourself, when you choose your ways above God's ways, and that sticky, addictive, oppressive reign over you is wiped clean by the ultimate authority Jesus has over sin and the residue it leaves behind. The guilt, the shame, the regret, the embarrassment. Isaiah 1 says, though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. You cannot free yourself or live your best life while helpless to the temptations of temporary pleasures and the pull to put yourself first. Sin blinds us to the truth, but Jesus cancels our debts to the Father in Colossians 2. He washes us clean, Isaiah 1. He, re he removes the veil before our eyes and crushes the oppressive power of sin by empowering us with truth through the Holy Spirit. We were once dead in the water, in the middle of the ocean, but Jesus has not only provided a rudder and a propeller so we can steer the ship and cut through the waves, so that we can make decisions beyond the temptations or the emotions in us, but freedom from sin is not enough. He doesn't just do that. He provides himself. He gets in the boat. Because even if we have a means to move, even if I can have the possibility of not choosing me, I still don't know where to go. The ocean is vast and we need a guide and he gets in the boat to take us where we need to go. And I was trying to explain this to the guy as we were chatting in this coffee shop, obviously with much less words, and my voice was shaking so much more because I was so nervous. Um, and he responds and he goes, okay, okay, but like we just keep sinning. Like even if Jesus frees us from sin, like I just keep sinning. And truthfully, I mean, that feels true. Like that stuckness, that trappedness that sometimes you feel and you're like, I just, I just really want to get it right and I can't. But consider this well-known phrase. You know this phrase, you are who you hang out with. If you abide in the word of the one who is and was and always will be good, if you abide in the presence of the one who never sins, if you abide alongside the Holy Spirit who helps you and convicts you and reminds you of truth, you will find yourself becoming more like the one that came to save you. He who started a good work in you will be sure to finish it. If not now, then eternity. Look at John, uh, 1 John chapter 3, 5 through 10. It says this, You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, he being Jesus. And in Jesus there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteousness, as he is righteousness, or as, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep sinning because he has been born of God. We're going to talk about this later. 
By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you may still sin. You probably will. Actually, I can probably guarantee it. But you will not make a practice of sin. You will see sin, and you will see it for what it is. You will see truth, and you will long for the sin, but you will long for righteousness. And even if there are times where I'm sinning, and I'm like, God, truthfully, like, I really don't care. But I want to want to care, you know? I think that counts. You will turn away from sin and you will see yourself transform into who you were meant to reflect as images of God. And it's not a coincidence that John is, in both of these passages, the devil is closely tied to sin. Jesus also, he addresses this here. Uh, let's check out these passages. Let's start in verse... Verse 41, Jesus is telling them, he goes, you are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We don't worship idols. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. We are born citizens of this world and its ideologies under the tyranny of a spiritual father, the devil. Who is this? Continues in verse 44. He was, not, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and a father of lies. Coffee shop guy asked a question and I think many of us ask this. How how are we supposed to know what's true? Because there are many versions of the same story. There are many perceptions of the same event. But the reality is, is that we've been raised on many twisted truths and flat out lies. When we abide in the word of God, we start to train our ears to hear these untruths and what's important and what's not important. Let me give you an example. My friend, uh, this also happened last week. Everything happened last week because obviously I was preparing for my message. Um, my friend came up to me and we were just talking and she was like, yeah, my coworker, he's like, he's being kind of mean to me, whatever. And I'm like, that, that really sucks. Like, I'm sorry. And she was like, that's all right. I'm just going to kill him with kindness. And I was like, oh, because I've heard that phrase before, kill him with kindness. And I probably said it before. At the very least, I have agreed with people who have said it. And kindness is a fruit of the spirit. But when you wield kindness... As a weapon, it is no longer kindness. It's a phrase with good intentions, but the reality is, is it's never used in humility. When you kill people with kindness, you are puffed up in your superiority, using kind words that turn passive aggressive in hopes that they will feel bad for the way they made you feel. When you wield the fruit of the spirit as a weapon to harm others, that is something anyone can do. It is now rotten fruit. And that's how easy it is to take truth and twist it, to embellish it, to stretch it. And that's what the devil does. And this is what it is to be born in the flesh, to have a, a sinful spiritual condition and an evil spiritual environment under the tyranny of a father who loves to steal, kill, and destroy, who is a murderer and a liar. 
But Jesus doesn't just defeat death. He tramples over our spiritual enemies. Colossians 2 says this, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing, triumphing over them on the cross. When you trust in Christ, you are no longer born in the flesh, you are born again in the spirit. Into the family of God. God breaks into his ch this childhood home that we're in, this broken world, and ties up the strong man. I can't remember what verse that is. Ties up the devil, robs him of his power and his treasure, you and me. And we aren't Cinderella. We're not stepchildren living in God's house who are just there because we have nowhere else to go. Jesus came to make you new. He reversed the curse so that you are now born again, born anew into his family and Jesus' brother, co-heir, or sister, and co-heir with Christ. And you cannot get here on your own. You cannot outwit the devil or his goonies. They are more powerful and more cunning than we are. And it's not all torture and horror. It's enticing. They make sin, sin seem good and feel good making truth seem unfair and backwards and suffocating. You might, uh, I mean, who likes reading? Who hates reading? Absolutely. I, I like reading, I like reading. I didn't used to, but I'm getting back into it. Anyways, somebody might be like, well, you know, I really like God and I, I, I want to follow God, but I just really hate reading. It's like, does, does God really want to set you free if he's going to make you read this boring book? You know? It's easy, easy, easy little whispers. Like the Bible says, this, this sounds so backwards. Listen to this. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. That seems so backwards. But it only seems backwards because we learned it backwards. God's truths are ultimate truths. We just learned the lie first. And you cannot live your best life on your own. You cannot live your best life on your own. Because you are trapped under the rule of a murdering liar and his band of thieves. Deceived into believing twisted truths about yourself, whether you think you're worth nothing, or whether you believe that you're better than God himself, sometimes both in the same day. Or lies about God, whether he doesn't exist, or he doesn't care, or there's too many things and he's off doing something else, or he's too busy or he's too angry. But Jesus bound, embarrassed, and stripped the forces of evil of their power, conquering them and freeing us to abide in his wise, loving, truthful words. In other words, it is possible to know the truth and what is from God and what's not from God through the Holy Spirit and the freedom and the unveiling of truth that comes from the work of Jesus. Now there's something else that gets in the way of life of living your best life. Check out uh, verse 51. Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. If there's anything that gets in the way of living your best life, it's dying. <laughs> you cannot live your best life because you will die. And without being in Christ, you are already spiritually dead. The world says this, 
Eternal life comes from making a name for yourself. It comes from building a legacy. Build a life that no one will forget. That's the only way that you'll be able to live forever. Uh, I'm an anthropology major. I was, it's been a while. Um, but I remember I was sitting in class and my professor, I went to a public university, so I, I mainly studied evolution. Um, and my professor was standing in front of us and he was like, if you make a big finding, you have to get that paper, that finding, and your theories that go along with it, you have to get it peer reviewed. Which means other scientists have to read and approve in order for other people to read it and be like, this is legitimate. The problem is, is that science is still pretty controlled by a select few at the top, okay? Evolution is actually, most scientists don't, at the top, they don't count on evolution to solve their problems because it doesn't. But it has not trickled down to schools yet. They still teach evolution in schools. So, <clears throat> but if you have a discovery that goes against or disproves something that a scientist proved at the top, you are in for a fight because it's less about truth and it's more about self-preservation. I mean, think about it. These scientists have spent their entire lives proving that their theory, their discovery is right and is the most important and is going to show us who we are as humans. And if something comes out and goes against that theory, that would mean they spent their entire lives studying a lie. It's not about truth, it's about self-preservation. It's about building a legacy. It's about living forever. But Jesus says something very strange. He says, pick up your cross and follow me because I am the source of eternal life. There is nothing less self-preserving than willingly suffering for a cause. John eleven twenty five 25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. He says, you suffer and die, but you will be free and live abundantly. Seems backwards, but it's not. If you have enough money, if you have enough power or charisma, you might be able to change some things. But God is looking to change everything. You might be able to change a city or a town or a group of people's lives or maybe just one person's life. But God is looking to renew all of us, the images of God, wiping every tear from every eye. It's a better legacy. And he will outshine you in the end. His name will be above all names. So you can work to build a legacy in order for your name to last. You can try to fight the inevitable death that's coming, or you can abide in the words of Jesus and live abundant life under the warm rays of the one whose name will be above all names, under his legacy forever. <clears throat> if you abide in my word, you will be my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is worth your full attention. He is worth abiding in. He is worth dwelling in. The Bible is not just a cool story. We do have a manual, a map to life, capital L, on how to be human. And look, and Jesus says this, verse 58, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He's quoting Exodus 3 where Moses was talking to God in a burning bush. God wants Moses to go free his people, and Moses is like, I'm not good enough. I don't speak well. What if they um, pop a question and I don't know the answer to it? And he says, what if they ask for your name? And God says, tell them, I am that I am. I am has sent me to you. 
Jesus is saying, I am self-sufficient, I am self-existent, and I'm an immediate presence at any point in time. I am God. I'm the word of God incarnate, born in a human body that you might know me. In his human body, he is not contained. He contains all things, even as he's talking to these Jews. And that's why they wanted to stone him in verse 59. But Jesus was also there in the beginning as we see in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made. Jesus here is also saying, I made Abraham. I knitted him together. I crafted his being. I am the one who sustained every cell in his body. In other words, Jesus is more qualified to redeem you and to renew your life and to direct your paths and to advise your steps in his hands and in his alone will you be able to not just live your best life but live at all. For he is life himself, word of God, creator and sustainer. If you abide in my words, you will be my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Pray with me. Father, praise you. You are worthy of all our praise and so much more. Father, will you just move? Will you just, you see, you see the desire, you see the questions, you see the doubts, you see it all, and I just pray that you move Thank you so much for sending Jesus. Thank you for setting us free from sin. Thank you for defeating the devil. Thank you for defeating death, that we might trample over it on our way to you forever. Father, I pray that we know you, and I pray that this week we make moves to abide in your words, to abide in the word incarnate, because it's all about you, it's not about us. Set us free, Father. In your son's name we pray, amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.